I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there and to be part of that. And I know each of these team members, they, they had to raise funds to go to the Polish people. The cost of that was $2,500 a person. Um, for the Dominican Republic, it was like $1,500 per person. And, that, and none of these people were like, hey, we just have tens of thousands of dollars sitting in our bank account. We can just like write a check. They all stepped out of faith and did the very uncomfortable thing of asking other people if they would like to be part of this mission by praying for them and giving financially. And even, you know, I remember talking to Eddie about some of his family members he talked to that really, like, didn't take that very well. They were like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. You need to do something productive with your life. And, you know, there was, there was, there was some getting out there, and it didn't always go well. But they had this whatever-it-takes mentality. I, I know God wants me to go. There are people. They matter. God is in this. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get there and do it. And it was amazing to see. And many of you helped make that happen. And so you had that same mentality of, hey, we're going to pray. We're going to write checks. We're going to give whatever it takes to make this happen, as well as many other people. So that's, that was behind. I think about, Jenny was telling me about how the, like the bathrooms in Dominican Republic how just there's, there's a, they didn't really get into it, but the, the level of, of finances is very different than the U.S. And, and not only that, there's kind of a, like, just used to doing with things as they are. But she was like, yeah, the bathrooms, they don't have toilet seats. Like, you can tell, like, they had them at one point and they broke and nobody bothers to replace them. And so our team was like, hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> like, we're going to, we'll go to a place with, without a seat to sit on when you go to the bathroom. That's, that's kind of... The attitude. Not only that, but just what really stood out to me is hearing these stories is as these team members were getting more and more, as they're hanging out with people or God was bringing people across their path, that they got more and more of God's heart for these individuals. And they were sensing, man, God loves this person. God has a purpose for this person. This, this hurt in their past or this family background, like that's holding them back, but God wants to speak to that. And they were compelled by this, man, I, I feel like God's given me a message for them. God wants me to speak hope and purpose and destiny to them. But that's a little uncomfortable to say, man, I, 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 to step out like that. But they did because of the whatever it takes mentality that, that they had. And you know, that's really what it, what it takes to, to see God's kingdom come and to see lives change. And I was reminded this morning as we worshipped that really that that mentality is, is, is exemplified like nowhere else in Jesus, in God. That God so loved the world, that he so cared about the brokenness of the world, that he said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to not just judge people or say they should figure it out, but to say, I'm going to enter their world and get close to them Take on flesh and not only live among people, but give my very life. Jesus gave his very life. He gave everything. Because he said, whatever it takes, it's worth it to see people's lives changed. And I've just been thinking about this whole summer. Summer loving is our theme. We're talking about love. And love is this, this nice topic. But this is a whole other level of God's kind of love. It's not just like, oh yeah, you know, I want to love people, feels good, but it's, real love is, hey, I believe in that this person matters, and how can I give my life in such a way, in whatever it takes, 
to see them benefit, to see them come into what God has for them. And we're going to read one story in the book of, of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, where there was a group of four people who had this attitude. And they saw God do something pretty incredible. And it's just a picture for us of how we can live this way as well. So I'm just going to read it off the screen this morning. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. One day as he was teaching, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's in his neck of the woods, Galilee, which is where he grew up. And he's starting to go around the villages and towns in that area, bringing this message that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's come near. He's, he's healing the sick. He's doing miracles. And there's this just groundswell of interest and people being drawn to this Jesus. There's even rumors already, like, is this the Messiah? We've been waiting for one sent from God who's going to bring freedom to our people. Could he be the one? And people are experiencing something from God like they've never experienced before, like the world has never experienced before. That God himself in in human flesh is walking around bringing the life of God, bringing the hope of God, bringing transformation, seeing people get healed, bringing hope and forgiveness. And so you see people coming. And it's interesting here, even the, the teachers and Pharisees, they're the religious leaders, and most places in the Bible, when they're talked about, it's not usually very complimentary. But it doesn't really say that here, it just, we we don't really know their attitude, at least at this part of the story, but there's this interest, like, man, they're sitting, they're sitting there listening, like, what's, what's going on? There's something in Jesus that they've never seen before. And then it says, some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now some of us have heard this story before. Some of us, it's the first time. If you've heard it before, it's sometimes easy to lose sight of what actually happened. But here Jesus is in in a house, It's full of people. They're gathered around to hear what he has to say. They're so drawn to that. And these four guys have a friend who's been paralyzed. And because they care about this guy, and because they believe that Jesus could have the answer for his condition, they say, we're going to do whatever it takes to get our friend to Jesus. And that's really what's behind this whatever-it-takes mentality. It's first of all, it's do we have a love for people? Do we really, are there people in our life that we're like, man, I care about them. I see that. These guys, they had a friend. We don't know if he'd been paralyzed his whole life or if he had an accident. But they saw his condition. They said, this is not the way God wants it to be for our friend. This, we, we, we would want him to have a better condition. And so... Not only, so it starts with a place of loving the people around us, of caring about them, of seeing God could have something better for them. And then, it's, the second thing is seeing Jesus as the answer to their problems. A lot of times, we may, it's, those things have to come together. Is do we love people, 
And then do we believe that Jesus really is who what they need? Who they need? They, they may have sickness. They may have depression. They may have family issues. They may have financial issues. Whatever issues people we know have and we have, do we believe that Jesus is the answer enough to do whatever it takes to get our friends to Jesus? But these people did. And... Um, yeah, in the Mark account, it's even more interesting. It says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. So I just love that picture. I just imagine we're in this room and all at once, you know, it's a mud roof. And all at once you start seeing, hearing some noises like, what's going around on, on top of the roof? And then there's a little bit of dust. And then there's this shaking. And then there's like dust everywhere and debris. And there's a hole in the ceiling as these guys are literally like taking their shovels or, or whatever they had and digging a hole through the ceiling and then moving some sort of tiles out of the way and then lowering their friend on this stretcher into the middle of the room. Like that would catch your attention right there. But that's what they did. They were like, man, we got to get this friend of Jesus. I think it was, I mean, it's hard enough. I can just relate to these guys. I, We've got five kids, and I remember as a kid growing up, getting to church on time was always hard. And it's like the hour before church was like the least holy hour of the week, <laughs> actually. You know, it's like, ah, wait, hurry up, get going, we're going to be late. And my brother could never find his shoes, and there's always, you know, some chaos going on. And you're, you get in the car, and you've been yelling at each other and frustrated, and you're like, oh, we're going to church. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, it's hard. Fortunately, our church is like 25 minutes away, so we had a little bit of time to debrief. But <laughs> I can just imagine these guys are like, all right, we're going to get our friend to Jesus. And they, they go, and they give him a sponge bath or whatever, and they get a stretcher, and they, they have to carry him, probably by foot, from maybe some other town to get to where Jesus is. And... They get there, and doggone it, they're late. And there's no more room. There's already, it's full. But they're like, we're not going to stop here. We're not going to settle for the circumstances that look like there's no way now. We're going to find a way to get our friend to Jesus. And, man, it's, it's worth it. I just think of the people, people whose lives get changed. Probably if you look at your story of your life, if you have come to know Jesus, most likely, there was someone in your life who had to do something uncomfortable to get you to that place. Maybe they had to stand up to your obstinance. Maybe they had to deal with your foul mouth. Maybe it's just like they really wanted to talk to you, but it was just uncomfortable to get out of that, uh, to, to bring up the topic of God, because that's a really scary thing. You know, I was I was thinking about this this week. The first time I brought up God with my friend Tom Famert, who's right back there. Like, I was scared to death. Like, I remember sitting in one of our cars, driving back from a basketball game. I was like, I need to invite, I need to just see where they're at. I feel like God's maybe doing something with Tom and Krista. And I was like, oh, man, how do I do this? We just met each other. What do I say? And but finally, I just brought up the topic. And little did I know, Tom Famer had been, kneeling down beside his bed, like night after night, asking God to help him be a better Christian, just waiting for someone to help him. And Krista was like, on the, they came to a small group in their lives, like God really met them in that place. 
I was like, but I, I'm so glad. That was one of, the, one of the successes of my life. Man, I think about, man, that was so great what's happened. But so many other times I've been afraid. But if we look at our life, there are people that have to have that attitude. Hey, I'm willing to be the one that, that's not normal, that does unnormal things, that has this whatever-it-takes mentality to get out of, to get out of my shell. Um, you know, I think about this, too. It says they, they were trying to get him to Jesus. And Savannah, go ahead and show that next slide. Um, or no, actually, I was, it was, go back a couple. There it was. Um, no, one more. The last sentence there, it says, the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. There was, that's interesting. There are times when God's grace is present in a, in a place, an environment to do miraculous things in unique ways. And there was a grace in this environment for people to get, to people get healed. And it was a good thing those friends had that attitude, whatever it takes to get my friends to Jesus, because that, there was an environment there. I mean, Jesus could always heal people. Well, actually, he couldn't. Even later in the same town, it said Jesus couldn't do many miracles because people had a lot of unbelief. But So Jesus, it is contingent upon our faith. And so, but here, there was a grace for people to get healed. I was thinking about that. So do we believe, do we love our friends enough to do whatever it takes? And do we believe in Jesus enough to do whatever it takes to get them to him? I was also thinking, like, where is Jesus? Where is this environment today? Because, yes, it is Jesus who heals people. It's Jesus who changes people's lives. But where Jesus isn't walking around in the flesh today, is, are these same conditions present anywhere in the world today? And you know what? The answer is yes. And the answer is what we would maybe less ex- least expect it to be. But the place where Jesus does this the most in the world is at church. Or more accurately, through his church, through his people. Because the church, the Bible says, is the body of Christ. It's, today, Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, but, the, but we are, God's people are now his body. Jesus still is on earth. He still is walking around, doing miracles, changing people's lives. But his body is now his people, his church. And for people... And so it's interesting, I, Reagan and I, yesterday we bought a new vehicle. Man, we've been this like six-week process of trying to find a car. We, we finally got a new vehicle, which is great. We had a couple interesting spiritual conversations along the way with, with salespeople. And yesterday, the, the owner of the business that sold our car to us, his dad was a Baptist pastor. And we started talking, and actually the, the sales guy, the other sales guy, is a lay pastor at his church in Kansas City. But the guy, the owner of this business, he, it came out that he hasn't been going to church for years, his whole adult, adult life. Basically, as soon as he grew up he st- and got out of his home, he stopped going to church. And he made the comment along the way, yeah, you know, I believe in God. I just don't really see the need for church. And that's a very common mentality. You know, a lot of times you hear things like, oh, I feel closer to God in nature than anywhere else. Um, you know, church, I don't really need that. I just, I just, I believe in God. Why would I need the church? 
But when you think that the church is Jesus' body, that doesn't really compute. Or the Bible also says the church is God's bride. So, like if someone told me, hey, I like you, but I don't really like your wife. You know, it'd be hard for us to have a very good relationship, if that was the case. That's, that's a little weird. And, and, you know, I get it, our, the bride isn't quite as attractive as Jesus. And, and you know, we're, we're not really on the same level as he is. But it doesn't really work, because God is devoted to his people. God is devoted to changing the world through his people. And so we need to realize that, that, man, where is God working? How do I see? As I loved what Eddie was saying about the Dominican Republic, that the greatest impact was not only interacting with people, and having a conversation, even praying a prayer, but seeing them get connected with other believers, because that's really where their lives are going to be transformed, they're going to walk this out, and they're going to become agents of change then for other people as well. And so, whatever it takes, I think of like, you know, being a kid and trying to get ready for church, and man, it was kind of like, man, that's hard, whatever it takes to get to church, it felt like. But whatever it takes to get to Jesus, whatever it takes to get our friends to Jesus, Whatever it takes to be part of a church community. And that's not just coming to church on a Sunday, although that's essential. But it's joining our lives in committed relationships with other people. Where we can learn and we can serve others. Do we have that mentality of whatever it takes? Because do I believe that that's where my life gets changed and where other other people's lives gets changed too? Do I have that? Whatever it takes. Um, You know, there are, we all know. It's all, it's like the, it's, it's nice to hear the rah-rah, like, yeah, let's go, whatever it takes. But it's easy to say, like, yeah, I want to be that way. But life has, as the moment we say, yes, I want to live that way, life will test that. The moment I say, yes, whatever it takes, I want to be committed to loving this person, then life will test they're going to be, you know, I think about the people sitting in this room listening to Jesus. They had challenges to get there. They had jobs to do. They had families to provide for. They had family issues. They had sicknesses. They had all sorts of stuff. But they got past that to get to Jesus. But, and the same things, like we deal with those same things. Like the moment, and the moment we say, yeah, I want to live this way, I want to love people that way, it will be tested. And there will always be things that come up that, that okay, is, and it will seem like, well, my circumstance now is a greater challenge that justifies me not loving this person or getting this person to Jesus or being part of a church community, helping this person get to a church community because of X. Does that make sense? All right, I think you follow me. Let's go back to the story here. Um, Savannah, if you can find us, you're impressive. There you go. So they drop him through the hole. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone is amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Now here's this amazing miracle. Let the man who's paralyzed, who can't walk, he comes, his friends bring him to Jesus. And I just love that too, that he couldn't even get to Jesus. He was dependent upon his friends getting him to Jesus. And that's usually the case for most of us. Most people are not going to get to Jesus unless they have friends that help get them there. But when that happened, and the friends said, man, we're going to do whatever it takes to get our friend in Jesus' presence. And they dug open that hole in the ceiling. They lowered him down. There were other paralyzed people in Galilee. But not all of them got healed. But this guy got healed. Because his friends had that attitude. Had that mentality. And right in front of everybody, this lame man, this paralyzed man, is healed. And stands up and starts walking around. And his life is transformed. And all the people are amazed. And they see God's character in a way they've never seen before. And they give glory to God. And that's what Jesus does. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing in the world today. Physical conditions, emotional conditions, spiritual conditions. He changes lives. And as we have that mentality, that we all, you know, are the result. Those of us who are believers are the result of God doing that in our lives. And he is in the business. He is in the process of doing that. And I'm so excited to see the lives that are changed this year as, as, as we step out and have that mentality. So I just want to pray for us today that God would give us that attitude, that, that spirit of, God, whatever it takes, I want to be a person that helps get people to you. Um, if that's your desire, just, just pray with me right now. Lord, I thank you for these, these four guys that love their friend that much. Thank you for all the people that have, have loved others, that have loved us with that attitude of doing whatever it takes. Lord, we thank you that that's your attitude. God, thank you that you have already done whatever it took to bring us to you, to bring the world to you, to change our lives. God, thank you that you've done everything, that you've given us what we need to be changed and, and to be empowered to love others. And God, I, I, even, I just asked this morning that you would, by your Holy Spirit, that you would uncover the areas of our minds and our hearts that are that have unbelief towards you, that have unbelief towards, um, towards your ability to meet us in the challenges of our life. And I pray that you would uncover the parts of our hearts and our minds that, that we just don't love as much as you want us to love others. Lord, would you, would you renew us? Would you change us? By, by the work that you've accomplished on the cross and by your work right now, Lord, would you bring your salvation more fully into our hearts and our minds? Would you change us? God, would you bring us beyond those old ways of thinking, those, those mentalities, and give us your heart 
give us your approach that says, God, I, man, I can, let's find a way. Let's find a way to make this happen. Lord, even right now, I pray that you would put people in our hearts, people in our minds, around it, that, that we would see them the way you see them. That you would start to just stir, God, I just even pray today, a, a stirring, an excitement, a creative energy to say, Lord, what, how, could I, how could I get involved in this person's life? How could I love this person better? How could I get this person to Jesus? Lord, I trust you for ideas and creativity. And just fill us with your spirit to live this out. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the, the lives that you're changing. Thank you for changing our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.